This is the reality of show business, hosted by Stephen Lewis Elms Esquire. This podcast is really to help anybody that wants to be part of show business. Whether you want to be a superstar or whether you just want to be in the game and earning a living and being able to be financially free. I will teach you all my tricks and tips and I hope that you enjoy this podcast. If you do, please leave us a positive review in the App Store. Now, this is the reality of show business. I am a rapper, performer, producer, artist, just all of the things that you do when you want to make it in this music industry and showbiz. And I've been doing this for a number of years now, and I thought it's probably a good time to start a podcast. I know lots. I've been in different arenas. When I say arenas, I mean environments. I've been in bands. I've been a soloist. I've toured many countries. I know the difference between um, winning awards and traveling over to perform in Japan and the difference in, in what it's like to perform to a crowd over there rather than over here. There's lots of things that I've done that uh, I think the public could learn from. So I've decided to create this podcast, The Reality of Show Business. Um, I've been listening to The Diary of a CEO by Stephen Bartlett, um, right back to the early episodes. And it gave me the idea of how I could kind of structure my podcast. Um, he's a very smart man and uh, I really respect what he's done. So what he does is each week he obviously works and things that affect him during work he writes down and then discusses with himself on the podcast. And that's exactly what I want to do. I'm going to be open and honest. It's not going to be scripted. Uh, and... I'm going to talk about things that have happened either during the week that, that people would want to know about in terms of learning about this show business. Now, let me tell you my qualifications so you know you're, you're not just listening to some anybody. Um, currently, I'm sat looking at my trophy cabinet. I'm quite happy with this. Uh, I have four National Entertainment Awards, two UB Awards and a Northeast Artist of the Year Award. Um, no, they're not Brits. No, they're not Grammys. But they're recognition. Um, they're national recognition. So I'm very, very proud of them. Um, and that's the reality. The majority of us are not going to win Brits. The majority of us are not going to win Grammys. But that doesn't mean that we can't be in show business. That doesn't mean we can't earn a ridiculous living from being part of show business. And that's the biggest thing that I don't think many people realise you can actually become a superstar, but not a megastar. You can earn a really good living and not have to give up your identity. Like, when you go out in public, you might get recognised once or twice, but you're not getting recognised by everybody. A lot of people think you have to be Jay-Z, Beyonce level to make it, and you don't. You just have to enjoy your journey, enjoy your job and make a living out of something you love. And that's what I've managed to do. Now, I believe I'm the only rapper on the circuit that I am on. I believe I have, have opened a door that previously was closed. Um, and I, I 
will tell every rapper who listens to this podcast how to do it. I'm going to tell you my blueprint of how I got us to where we are now, the mistakes I made in the past, and so much more. So, this is the reality of show business. Originally, I was a solo artist known as Silver Laidlow. Then a few years later, I was in a band called Top Boy Round Here. And now I am in a duo called Hino Shinos. I've learned so many things since being in these groups and bands that I just have a wealth of knowledge of what not to do as well as what to do. Some of the craziest mistakes have been made by us. And uh, I'm going to talk about many memories from, from performances and things in the past. Now, the first thing I'm going to talk about in this chapter one of the reality of show business is nervousness before a show. Now, I only say this because it had been maybe two months since my last run of gigs. And I had a gig this week um, and I was quite nervous. I can't lie. Um, I don't usually get nervous for gigs, but because I'd had such time off, I was wondering, do I remember my lyrics? Have I got them all in my head? Do I still have the fitness to do a show? I was very nervous, but it wasn't something that I, I usually get. So some people ask us, do we get nervous before shows? And I think once you get used to doing your show over and over and over again, the nervousness goes away and it just becomes a, a reflex action, a habit. But when you do take that break, it's very difficult to get back on the horse. So even after a two-month break, that's not really that long. But if you take five years, it, it is difficult to get back on the horse. So always stay doing some form of music in some capacity, you know. Always try and stay being a musician, even if you can't perform. Keep your skills strong. Um, make sure that you play the instrument that you play often as you can. Make sure that you're singing whilst in the shower and doing the dishes. Just make sure that you keep your instrument and your skills strong because it's very, very hard to come back when you don't. The second thing that I'm going to talk about in this uh, chapter one is authenticity versus character. Now, I wrote this down because... Sometimes in the industry that we're in now, especially the showbiz industry, you get asked to become something that you are not. A lot of people call you a sellout if you do it. Sometimes you want to be true to yourself and, and authentic to yourself. And I believe I've managed to do both. Now, some people will look at my situation and say, no, you're a sellout, mate. You're a sellout. You sold out. But... I don't really believe I have. I think I've done it in the smartest way I could. Now, in this industry that we're in right now, there's a lot of massive stars. But if you're not a massive star, you can become a version of a massive star. Uh, you can become a tribute act. Now, in our industry, tribute acts can make an absolute fortune. They get some of the best gigs. They get some of the best gigs. If you are an act that enjoys performing and really likes uh, a superstar 
and believes that you can perform like them and sing like them and sound like them and dance like them and talk like them and put on a show just like them, then tribute is an avenue that so many people take and they make so much money from doing it. Um, I remember before coming into this industry, always thinking that the tribute industry was kind of laughable because you were imitating. And I once I got into the industry, um, being... I've never been a tribute at all, but being around so many tributes, I realise how professional they are, how good they are, and how many bloody tickets they sell. Um, They get some of the best trips. Like, I've got a friend who's doing a tribute at the minute, and he's literally sat on a beach in Barbados right now. Like, he's doing a cruise in Barbados. He gets paid redonkulous money and gets to go on a cruise for a week and sing twice. It is crazy. So if, if you want to just sing and perform, but you don't want to spend all the time getting famous and marketing yourself or writing songs, tribute is a very good way to make a very good living. Now, that's not what I did. Um, What I did is there's also cover bands. Now, cover bands are quite popular. They don't get as much of the big shows as the tributes, but they they can do. Now, a cover band just performs covers. Um, now, we didn't do that as well. We perform originals as well. But what, what we did is, in year one, we did all covers. We made, we got our foot in the door. Once people started to know who we were from us singing the covers, we started slipping our originals into our show and nobody noticed the difference. Um, we started being able to perform our original songs and people started to sing along with them because they'd been to a show the year before. So I think playing it smart and playing covers to win a crowd, gain a fan base and then hit them with your originals, that all, you know, you entice them in. And I think that's a really smart way of um, still being authentic whilst also portraying some form of a character. You get to be yourself on stage. You get to do everything the way your band or your your act would do uh, without having to pretend to be someone else like in the tribute world or some people are 100% authentic they're like no I'm sorry I'm not singing someone else's songs I'm not um, performing covers I'm not dressing up as anyone and I'm singing my own songs all the time every time now they're the people I'll be honest with you they're the people that either become absolute megastars. So look at Sam Fender. He's someone who stayed true to himself, never played covers, and now he's winning Brit Awards and he's just a kid from North Shields. It's really impressive. Really impressive. But he stayed true to himself his whole entire career and now has become a superstar. But then you've got the other end of the spectrum where there's so many people in this world trying to do that that not all of you are going to become superstars. Now, if you don't, the route that I'm in is the route that you should go down. Don't get it twisted. You can make a good living without being a superstar. And there's so many people out there that think that, oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, if you said to them, oh, I want to be a singer when I'm older, they laugh at you. But that's the ridiculous because there are singers out there making silly money. And I'm telling you this because I work, I could, well, sorry, I don't work two days a week. I'm saying I can work two hours a week and make a month's wage. Yeah? Like, take that in. For two hours, I can make a month's wage. Insane. Insane. 
Yeah, and there's so many people that think they can't do that. Anybody who can sing and put on a show and has something about them, you can do that. And I can help you with the blueprint. Make sure you follow this um, podcast and like it and, and continue on this journey with us. And you will realise that it's, it's incredibly satisfying doing this job. Incredibly satisfying. Um, and that's, that's the most important thing. So when I say authenticity versus a character, I think it's very difficult for you to be authentic and make a good living. It's very easy to sell your soul to the devil and lose all sight of yourself and actually become somebody else and then make a really good living. There is them simplicity. So you've got to think long and hard about what you really want from this industry. Because if you really want money and you're not bothered about creating history or legacy, then the tribute world and the covers world is the one for you. But if you really are bothered about leaving a legacy and creating something that lives longer than you, you're going to have to write your own music. You're going to have to write your own songs and create your own path which people watch you on. Um, and that brings me to my next point. Um, be a brand and not a band. Now, when I say that, I guess... A lot of people won't actually understand what I mean. But if you look at, let's think of a really good, a good one. Um, I'll put myself on the spot here. Well, what we do is we have a logo. That logo is pretty much everywhere. That logo is on pop sockets, on masks, on T-shirts, on hoodies, on our costumes, on our visuals, on our CDs, on our memory sticks. People see that logo and they know it's us. Not just the logo. When I say brand, I mean treat yourself like a business. And I don't even mean just treat yourself like a business. I mean register yourself as a business. Go to company's house and register your music act as a company. Yeah? Do your books Get your discounts. Bruv, there's so much money that you can save when you own a business, when you put yourself through a business. All of your, um, let's think, all of the things you could write off in tax. You pay tax on everything, yeah? And you could write off that tax um, if, you, if you treated yourself as a company. I'm talking about all your laptop computer stuff, all of your phone for your studio wall, your microphones, all the software that you own, any traveling that you do to go to a gig, Literally anything that got to do with your music, you can write the tax off and get 20% off everything, man. So it's, it's like you've got to look at yourself as a proper business. You can't look at, <clears throat> you can't look at yourself and think, yeah, I'm, I'm just an artist. I'm going to go out, I'm going to get drunk, I'm going to perform some songs and then I'm going to make it. It doesn't work like that. And we all make that mistake when we're young. But if you can be the smart person who treats yourself like a brand and treats the nightclub like... Um, your workplace, every single time you, yeah, every single time you go to a club, you need to treat it like it's your office. You need to treat it like, ah, oh, okay, I'm in the office right now and I can't look like a dick. I've got to make sure that that DJ gives me a shout out because it's perception. I'm going to try and get that DJ to play my song. I'm going to try and 
all of these different things, you need to have the right perception. And trust me, guys, DJs react to money. I've, I've been in a situation where I have begged and begged a friend. Yeah, I've been the mic host in the club and he's been the DJ and I've begged him to play my song and he hasn't. Yeah, and that's my friends. Yeah, but then you go up to a random DJ in a club and you give him a, a memory stick and a tenor. Trust me, your song will be on in three songs. Trust me. If you want a song played in a nightclub, yeah. And that goes for all everyone. That goes for the, the nightclub Karens as well. We'll talk about them a little bit in the next chapter. But nightclub Karens even, like, give the DJ a tenor. Trust me, you'll get your song on straight away. So be a brand and not a band. Make sure that you are a... Um, a business. You run yourself like a business. You treat everywhere like your office. You, you treat where you go into, like when you go to the club, you treat it like your office. You don't get drunk up and act the fool and get thrown out by the doorman. This is your place of work. This is where you're trying to impress. This is where you're trying to get known and, and stuff like that. So that's, that's for the younger people who are in the nightclubs. When it comes to the older people who are around, you want to make your brand something that stands out and is like strong, a strong brand. So we've got He Knows, She Knows. We use three colours. I feel they're the strongest colours in the world. Black, white, red. They're the three colours that we use. We also have a superhero kind of, the logo's like a superhero logo um, because we are aiming to project that power couple. We're a couple, He Knows, She Knows, and we're aiming to project that power couple. Now, if you want to learn any more about He Knows, She Knows, Top Boy Around Here or Silver Laidlow, feel free to Google. Um, there's loads of stuff there. Um, Silver Laidlow was just me by myself. Um, it, was, it was tough. It was tough being Silver Laidlow because I had nobody to share any of the successes with. So even though I won some awards on my own, I never really got to enjoy them. Um, because I was alone. I didn't have a partner at the time. My relationships were rubbish. Um, I'm in a very, very, very good relationship now, but my relationship at the time, they all sucked. They were the worst relationships, and I'm sure throughout this podcast we'll be discussing loads of mad stuff that's happened throughout my career um, where relationships have affected things, and that'll be a topic that we talk about because you need to have a strong relationship and an understanding relationship if you're going to be in this industry. It's not easy to have this career with somebody else who doesn't understand it. Um, so we will definitely come on to relationships in later chapters. Now, one of the things I always laugh about when I'm at a gig is perception. People will perceive one thing about you, who you are, uh, where you come from, um, what type of um dressing rooms you'll have and what sort of parties are going on backstage because you know the showbiz industry is a lot of smoke and mirrors a lot of smoke and mirrors what you see on the stage looks amazing and you know, I I do it myself I go to a show and I'm like oh, I wonder what's behind that curtain I wonder what's behind that big screen over there oh, I wonder what's backstage you know what's backstage guys nothing nothing is backstage it's a storage cupboard like it's very, very rare that you go to a gig at this level and get a dressing room that was designed to be a dressing room. It's very rare. Like, there's a couple places that you go and it's incredible. Some places have, have like, a massive room 
TVs, fridges, like absolutely everything you would imagine. You know, like when you imagine what is backstage, there are a couple of places that have that and they're like, raw. they're amazing. But then there are the majority of places where as a performer, you're just in a cupboard. Like you're, you're, you're in a cupboard with boxes, you're in a cupboard with glasses, you're in a cupboard with, with whatever is there and you just, you're just in a cupboard. Like, um, and although you only have to really work for the one hour on stage, the majority of the job is waiting about and seven hour and eight hour drives. And that's one of the things that a lot of people do not believe. Like a lot, a lot of people do not believe that um, you have to spend so long on the road. But it's 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 the it's the hardest part of the the job. You see the one hour on stage, and it's the best part of it. You get to see the best part. We get to see the best part. But the rest of it, the seven eight hour drives um, on the motorways, the finishing at half past midnight in Cornwall and having to drive ten hours home to Newcastle is is killer. Um, the lack of nutritious food when you're driving at ridiculous o'clock on the motorways is difficult because you can't always take a packed lunch when you're away for a few days and there's not always the stuff open. Um, so you have to try and keep your health on... Like, yeah, you do. You have to try and keep your health on tick, I would guess. You have to you have to keep your health on track. You have to make sure that you're looking after yourself and making sure that you can um, be safe. Um so yeah, it's it's hard because if you if you're driving at three, four in the morning, there's times where you're half asleep. Now the worst time on the roads isn't is when you're half asleep and you need to take a break, but the worst time on the roads is around five, six o'clock in the morning because you're getting all the people that have just woken up who are still half asleep and you're getting all of the people that have been on the piss from a night out who are trying to sneak home before the police catch them. And that mix of people on the roads at that time of the morning that's when you see the the craziest stuff. You see the people slipping across three lanes. You see people crashing. You see, like, bits of debris in the middle of the motorway. Like, there's lots of dangerous parts to this job, which people just don't even look at or don't even think about. Um, And we do all the driving ourselves as well. So it's not like we have a driver. um, And it's, it's, it's hard. It's very difficult to do that. So I think even though we don't have to work five days of the week, which is what a lot of people want in life they want financial freedom and to be able to just work a couple of days of the week and that's what you can get with this job in this industry it's incredible because not many people realize that there isn't many people out there that think they can get a career like this um and you can you can the blueprint's there and we're going to talk about it a lot more in in chapter two of this podcast um i've kind of gone through all of the notes i had and i wanted it to last half an hour and I've got eight minutes left. So what I'm going to do at the end of this, I'm, well, now, is I'm going to tell you a little bit of the history of me. So hopefully you join me back for chapter two. Um, I'm not going to publicise this podcast too much until I get a bit more confident with it, um, as this is my first ever podcast. Um, and I get some more equipment because right now I'm just recording into my iPhone. So, uh, yeah, we're going to put this one out and see what happens. But so let's start at the beginning. Originally, I was a rugby player. I played rugby for London Broncos. I had trials for Bradford Bulls. I had trials for Warrington Wolves, but unfortunately 
didn't come through them. I ended up signing for Gateshead Thunder, which are now known as Newcastle Thunder, at 15 years old and signing for, I'm sorry, I'm playing for the West Indies, believe it or not. At 19 years old, I decided that rugby was not for me. And instead of keeping up this facade of really enjoying being a professional sportsman, I decided to quit and play like something else, do something else. And I went to college and I studied music and music production and wanted to become an artist. I worked alongside some great people in college. Uh, My guy, brother Pryor, who unfortunately has passed away. Rest in peace, brother Pryor. I met him in college and he was one of the most incredible beatboxers that I ever met. And I got to work with him quite a bit. I worked with Serm Style on my first album. Um, if you don't know Serm Style, he produced Timber, produced No Lie for Dua Lipa. He's produced so many hits. Um, and unfortunately, our friendship really took a hit and broke down over something that I still to this day don't really understand. I really don't understand it. But next chapter, we're going to talk about friendship breakdowns because I've had a lot of friendship breakdowns and only managed to recover some of them. Some of them my fault, some of them theirs. But unless you get that dialogue going, you don't really get to fix it. And unfortunately, with a couple, I've been able to fix it. But with a couple, I haven't. And we're going to talk about friendship breakdowns and relationship breakdowns in the next chapter. Um, so yeah, I was Silver Laidlow. I then met somebody else and they wanted to create a band um, originally called Top Boy Family. It was with me and I came up with all the branding and made the the brand, not the band. And I kind of got screwed over by them. And again, we'll talk about that in chapter two in the friendship breakdowns. Um, And I then joined Top Boy Round here. I say joined, I created alongside somebody. Um, Well, y'all can say his name. Yeah, alongside Craig. We made Top Boy. We were two of the most um, polarizing artists in the Northeast. People either really liked us or hated us. And we quite liked the idea of joining forces and, and causing mayhem, which we did for a few years, which was good fun. But then again, relationship breakdowns. Um, and we'll talk about that next week. Fortunately, I after leave, leaving Top Boy, it, it it didn't. I didn't leave. Top Boy just came to a natural end. It 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 did. It came to a natural end. Um, I think everyone was agreed. It, it, its shelf life had had run out, and it was fun while it lasted. But we needed a change, and the change came at the right time. Because in twenty sixteen. I met Shana and created Hino Shinos. Now, Hino Shinos is my pride and glory. I've toured the UK six times now, over 80 gigs per tour. I won four National Entertainment Awards, a UB Award, and a Northeast Artist of the Year Award with the Hino Shinos. We've toured Japan, which was one of the most incredible things ever. And right now, we're doing a mental health campaign in schools helping children get the tools to kind of understand their mental health from a young age and understand how to get their mental health on side. It's important for kids to to do that. And it's very important for the music industry people to do that too. So I'll probably talk a lot about that in later chapters. So yeah, He Knows She Knows is doing really great. 
please give us a Google on um, Google, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and and our website is www.hksk.co.uk. But if you go on our YouTube, you can watch some of our music. Um, and also leave a nice review on the app store or the podcast store. Just leave us a nice review because I get that message and I get to obviously see that you've listened all the way to the end of this podcast. You've enjoyed the podcast. And if you want to tell me what I can do to improve my podcast in the next episode, please, please leave it in the comments. I can only get better with you guys telling me what it is I need to do. So this has been the Reality of Show Business Podcast, Chapter One. I have been honest as I can. I don't really know what I've spoke about because I just, I, it's all off the top of the head. So I hope nothing I've said has offended anyone. I don't even remember what I said. Um, and I hope that you join me next week. Please leave a nice review, like this, share this, share it with people. Hopefully chapter two gets even more viewers than chapter one. Um, so yes, this has been the reality of show business with Stephen Lewis Elms. Thank you listening. That was the reality of show business. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you have, please leave a positive review in the app store. See you next week.